It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert. And I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's, let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure, because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Podcast, a weekly adventure with nature in the British countryside from the people who make BBC Countryfile magazine. I'm Fergus Collins. I happen to be both the editor of the magazine and host of The Podcast. So welcome aboard. This week, we're out on the water, the paddleboarding adventure on the Wye, the great river that flows through the borders of England and Wales. Maria Hodson is our host, and with an enthusiastic raft of fellow paddlers, she meets the river's wildlife and explores some of the darker issues facing this troubled waterway. I'm at Hallworthy in Herefordshire on the banks of the Wye. It's half past eight in the morning. The sun is blazing directly into my eyes with some grazing sheep silhouetted on the opposite bank. The campsite's waking up. Spent an incredibly cold night. One of those nights where there's quite a lot of tossing and turning and feeling as though you haven't slept, but suddenly it's morning and you have. I have indeed slept and feel absolutely fine. And this morning I will be paddleboarding and I will be paddleboarding with a small team of adventurers who I have not met before, who have also decided to do the same journey. I'd better go and uh, find out what is planned for the day. So you've all done a bit of paddling before. Yep. Some more than others, which is nice. Um, and we were talking earlier about the amount of boards that are out there these days and the fact that you know you can get some really cheap ones so is is what to look for on your boards um i've gone for a slightly longer board 
So your standard boards are normally 10 foot 6. These are 2 foot longer, which makes them um, better for touring. So the longer a board is, the more efficient your strokes are as you're paddling down the river and you can go further with less effort. Uh, these have also got the pointy ends as well, whereas a lot of the standard ones will have a big rounded end. So the pointy end helps if you're on big open water. With the waves breaking, it will just break your way through that wave as well. So it depends what you want to do as to what sort of board you end up getting. Cool. You've got those. They're the extra large. They're the medium large. I'll let you sort fins out and leashes and we'll get ready. Going. So how long is the, um, the hack, do you know how many miles approximately we're doing? About 12 to 13 miles today, um, but yeah, timing wise, normally it's about six hours. Yeah. We'll probably be nearer sort of five hours, even if we stop a few times just because there's more flow today. Um, but yeah, we just play it by ear and see. Oh yeah, standing. Up <laughs> to you, if you're more comfortable on the knees. I am, but I like the challenge. <laughs> Never become a pro if I don't stand up. Whoa. of the Wye. So pretty much from Ross and Wye down to Simmons Yacht is your sort of big you know, tourist area because you've got Simmons Yacht Cliffs, Peregrine Falcon's Nest there and you know, there's a lot more amenities. Yeah. So today there's you know, nowhere to stop and you know, get a drink or a cafe or anything like that. But as a result you get this beautiful piece. So yeah, yeah, that's a trade-off really. Um, but yeah, summertime between Ross and Simmons Yacht which is you know, a day's paddle you're looking at a thousand people on the river oh, wow. every day. No. Can the white handle it? It can, um, providing people are respectful. You know, it's, it's the litter issue that's, that's the biggest issue. You know, lots of people come in for a day visit that you know, turn up with their inflatable rubber dinghies um, yeah. that maybe aren't too aware of the dangers of being on a river. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, there's a lot of canoe hire companies that are really good and you know we'll shout at people then get the ETAs on or Kingfish like out. Can I write you in front? Just going into the sorry, I interrupted oh. going into the bank on the left hand side. Well we'll just scan the left bank. This how high on the left there. Can you still see it? Yeah, it's quite smooth, yeah. Behind us. Yeah. Yeah, I really I cannot see it. I think. Oh. 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 Damn it, I just turned my camera off. 
it's just to my left now. So we're hit now, I'm not yeah. sure. In the bigger clump. Oh yes, yes, yes. You got yes, it? Yes. I see it. I just saw the blue across the top because they fly so low. That's such they? a flash, isn't it? You've always got to look lower than you think of them. Yeah, so low. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit of blue plastic, blue plastic bag. bag. Have people been swimming quite happily in the way? Swimming, yes. Happily, <laughs> not so. Why isn't it safe to swim in? So a lot of local sewage companies release into the rivers. Oh, no way. Um, Similar to like in the sea as well. Yeah, hating. A lot of farmers um, dispose of pesticides um, as well. I mean, I do understand that it's got to go somewhere, but just maybe not at the shoreline of the beaches. That would be nice. Yeah. Because we've got all these big sewer pipes literally on the beach. So you can see it all coming out, it's disgusting. Where's that at? Hastings. Oh, you're down my neck of the woods. Where are you from? Brighton. Oh, nice. So yeah, I used to surf on Shoreham quite a lot. Yeah, nice. Yeah, it's really awful. This year we've had like pollution warnings, so like hardly anybody's been swimming. Yeah. It's really sad. Yeah, similar sort of impacts up here. I just find it very therapeutic and just like a nice way to just exercise but also like just take in your surroundings and yeah I just I just find it very relaxing also yeah. while exercising I don't really like anything too strenuous so I really enjoy like yoga and even trekking like you can do it at your own pace there's no like classes or having to keep up with people exactly um, so yeah, anything that just connects with nature I tend to really enjoy and like. And I think also like swimming in the ocean hasn't ever appealed to me. I've always lived by the sea. I've been in probably twice in my entire life into the sea in these things. Um, it's just, it's very polluted, okay. very cold, and it's also very rocky. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it just never really appealed to me at all. But this is a way to get on into the sea without having to be in it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although harder, paddleboarding on the sea is a lot harder than paddleboarding on a lake or a river. But I started off in the sea. Okay, so actually... So it's not too bad. And also conditions have to be right here as well. It has to be not very windy and just... But yeah, I really enjoy it. (laughs) And if it was bobbly like this, it's very, very shallow. Okay, so as you go down on the right, you'll then see there's some rocks sticking out there. Okay. Just be careful that you don't get too close to those, okay? You will need to stay on your knees going down on this deck, okay? And basically, leave enough gap, okay? So there's sort of two boards between you. I'll go down first, okay? And then just literally follow exactly where I go. Yeah, okay. Okay. And this is the salmon run, is it? Yeah, yeah. Right. A little bit of adrenaline. That's exciting, yeah. Okay, yeah. Here we go. Put your straps onto your boards as well. So we're approaching the Salmon Run, where the water's going over rocks and is quite fast moving, quite choppy. And we're going to follow the instructor, Ray, in a line, pretty much single file. And hopefully no one will cut size. Let's see how we go. Good luck, Amy. <laughs> We've already got Zara going backwards. I shouldn't laugh, I think I may be in for the same treatment. Here we go. Right. 
No, it's still facing forward. Okay, everyone has righted themselves. So this is the salmon run there. I can see my ears, my eyes peeled. Looking for a leaping salmon. From here, the water is faster here. The rushing. Sweeping around a curve. Yeah, definitely picking up pace. Staying on our knees. This is quite dumpy. Casualties. I didn't see any salmon though. It's one o'clock and we've stopped for lunch at Foy Bridge, which crosses the Y. It's an old rope bridge. It's actually quite beautiful, kind of lattice crossings and two stone pillars holding it up. And I was told that no more than two or three people should go at it at any one time, which is somewhat unnerving, but at the moment it's just me. And the view from here is beautiful. I'm looking upstream from where we just paddled and downstream, which would continue to Ross, which is where we will finish. And the sun is still blazing on a October afternoon. I can see the rest of my party on the banks opposite having a little breather. We've got another three, two, two, about two, three hours of paddling, depending on our speed, before we reach Ross. It's beautifully vegetated along the banks as we were approaching Foy there's a gorgeous gorgeous thick mixed woodland rising high on the left ahead and on the left side of the river and now it's slightly more sparse so many different types of ducks I've seen the gander as well you see the um where the river would rise to. So here's the bank on the right is marked with clay. And you can see where the river level can get to. It's currently, looks like it's about a metre lower than it was a few days ago since the rains. And obviously over summer it's been even lower when we had no rain. And some sheep grazing above on the right bank and intermittent oak trees hello you've come to say hello yeah i'm just paddleboarding beneath you did you hear my voice the sheep have just come to see what's going on looking down at me <laughs> with great curiosity so this is back near bridge what happened to the top of it quite striking without the top. They look like sort of ancient monuments jutting out of the water. Yeah, we've got that 
policy say of where are we now? We in England or Wales? More interesting on the way down. Are we actually Wales? This is Herefordshire. So, so is it considered the Wales coast? So, so, so as you get a little bit further down, oh, what's yeah. that? Um, the river yeah. basically dips in Leaping and out of the water every couple of hundred meters. Oh. So they basically said that well. side's going to be England, that side's going to be Wales. Maybe that so was the salmon. And here we are in Ross on Wye. It's about twenty to four, and I think we've all earned that cup of tea. No one fell in, which was amazing. And uh, we're now packing up the van with the paddle boards to take it back to the campsite, ready for another paddle tomorrow. So I'm here with Tony Greenacre of Black Grouse Outdoors. And um, Tony has organised the weekend that I'm currently on. Tony, can you tell us what it was that made you want to do this? So I've always worked in the outdoors and really enjoy that. And, and I ran a weekend a while back for friends and they came along and they had such a, an amazing time. That I thought, well, let's let's put that into the business and, and we'll give it a go. And what is it about paddleboarding that um, that appeals to you? And what about it do you think appeals to other people? For me, it's the mix. So I canoe, I kayak, I surf, and it seems to pull a bit of everything together, which is um, really fun. It's so accessible as well. And what would you say to people who um, are maybe a little bit critical of the sudden boom in popularity of paddleboarding, um, who say that? it is potentially damaging delicate habitats that would not otherwise be reached by your average Joe. Um, yeah, there's certainly a, a lot of that going on as part of, of why we set up um, the paddleboard tours. Groups kept really small. They only have a maximum of six people in them. Um, and they always have an instructor with them who's there to, to educate them, for want of a better word, and, and teach them about those sorts of things and the, the damages that can be done with irresponsible paddleboarding. Because um, earlier today, Ray was saying that the Y in summer, you can see sort of a thousand people on a stretch of river, you know, in the course of a day. Mm -hmm. Obviously, on the one hand, it's fantastic that people are getting outdoors more and that the outdoors is more accessible. Yeah. On the other hand, that isn't necessarily great for the environment. So what do you think is the best way for us to manage that? The Y is relatively unique in the country having uh, open right of navigation so anyone can come here and paddle um, it's not the case on a lot of rivers a lot of them are privately owned you can't get access to them and if we were able to open up more access to more rivers then it could spread that load out and even things a bit so that you know you don't get these honeypot spots where everybody goes Interesting. So it's actually almost um, just as there's a campaign for the right to roam in the countryside. Yeah. Similarly, there needs to be a sort of a right to paddle um, yeah. o o across more of Britain's waters. Yeah, yeah, that, that's part of it. But obviously paddleboarding being so accessible, um, everyone can, can pick up a paddleboard and can, can paddle. So it's, it's having the knowledge of how to do that responsibly, just the same as you would when you go out into the mountains. There's a countryside code and, and things like that. It needs to be there on the rivers as well. That's a good point because um, there have been some accidents on paddle boards and fatalities as well. Yeah. Because people, it you know, it does look like quite a straightforward thing to do, but of course nothing is that straightforward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, is that something that you're aware of being a bit of an issue? Yeah, sure. As, as more people, they'll see it on social media and that side of things and think they can give it a go and they can pick up a board and be out on the water in no time, but not necessarily be aware 
of the dangers that are there. So you've had a nice day on the river today, but the water levels are quite high. Um, but you've got an instructor with you who's who's there and knows what to do in the case of emergency. The sign, not a real one. So we've got nine to beat today then. Yes. You saw nine yesterday? Nine, nine yeah. kingfishers? I was oh counting them. Well, well done. Okay, that's quite a tally to beat today. Yeah. So it's Sunday morning, we're here at Luxel campsite, having driven from Tresix, where we stayed last night, which was quite chilly, but luckily I was toasty in two sleeping bags. And today we're going to paddle down the river back to Tresix campsite, which is, how many miles is that, Ray? About nine miles today. About nine miles today. And it's a bit cooler than yesterday. Yesterday was extraordinary sunshine for an October day. Today looks cloudier, but we're all excited. Okay, all aboard. <laughs> Have another lovely day. Thank you, Bye. you too, see ya. Go and buy some more cake. <laughs> Using the core. Pardon? I remember. It was using, using the core. Use the core. Use the core. Luke, may the core be with you. Oh, Karen, I just love them. Harder work paddling today, is that because yeah, we're... The wind is a lot more today. Oh, it's the wind, okay. You're like a big sail when you're standing up. Ah. So the wind is sort of a southerly wind today, so it will catch us as we go around some of the corners. So theoretically, is, the, is my height a detriment? It can be. Because I was like, I feel like I'm going a lot slower than uh, But what you'll find is you'll be able to reach further as well. So okay. It may even help. Yeah, if you find that the wind's getting too much, just go down onto your knees. Okay, thanks.
there's a very different mood on the river today because it's um, cloudier and more breeze. So the wind is swaying in the rushes and the trees are leaning and the leaves rustling, which you can probably hear. It's got a sort of ethereal feel to it. Not the kind of autumn brilliance of yesterday. But I really like this. It's quite moody and peaceful. And it's a bit of a gentle mooch down the river. I'm staying low at the moment because um, there is a, a wind Fishermen on the right. Against us. And fishermen on the banks. So we're staying to the right to avoid their lines. Hi. Most uh, fighting today. Uh, number 16. Number 16? What was it? Chub. Chub. Excellent. Very lovely around here. Nice with the leaves changing colour. Yeah, as well. so beautiful. Is this your favourite season to paddle in? Yeah, sort of mid September to sort of mid October. Yeah. You still get the weather, but you, you generally get sort of the change in the weather conditions. Yeah. Normally the river's still quite warm as well, so if you do take a swim, <laughs> yeah, too bad. Yeah, not the end of the world. Yeah, I'd say the best time is mid-September. <laughs> second or third weekend of September. I will put that in my diary for next year. Yeah, it should be about three and a half hours of paddling. So, what I'm calling rapids, what would you call this, really? Okay. Cause I, yeah, just a shallow, fast bit. Small graded. So. I know, I mean, it's like, this is not being considered... Uh, daunting to anyone that's like kind of novices on a paddleboard, right? Yeah, yeah. This is, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the noise, isn't it? It's the circulating yeah. water, it's the bubbles created. And this is because the river suddenly becomes shallow. Yeah. And yeah, drop. I can see a kind of um, almost an arrow in the water. That's like, the that's up, the so that's that where I'm about yesterday. Exactly. Yeah, the upside down view. So that's what we're heading straight into. Mm -hmm. So this will tell us that this is the fast and deeper section. Yeah. The faster, deeper part of the river is always the outside. Sorry, Ray, could you say that again because I didn't follow? The faster, deeper bits on the outside, no, that's in the middle. It. So the fastest because the water always goes to the outside of a river because that's the way it will flow and then it will hit a bank before diverting back again. Water always goes straight. So the inside of the bend is generally going to be slower as you come around because all the water is being forced to the outside. 
Right. So the faster water is generally going to be the deeper okay. water as well, because that's what's eroding away at the bank. So then we want to be in the deeper water. So the deeper water on the outside. Yeah. If we didn't know what was around the corner, we would then move to the inside because we know that there's going to be an eddy. So you can see there's still water just by the reef. Oh there. yeah. So we know, no matter, even if there's a waterfall there, we know that there's safe slack water that we can stop in on the inside of a bin. I see, okay. And that's just good practice if you're unfamiliar with yeah, yeah. rivers and water, just go... If you're unfamiliar, if you're, yeah. head to the inside or if you can get to the outside like here, you know, yeah. there's a big eddy here because there's a rock. You know, we can stop there and see what's going on. Yeah. So here you can see the V is about in the middle here. Oh yes, I see it, yeah. So again, that's where we're going to head. And we also know on the right hand side there's an eddy. You can see some white water, so there's a rock there, so we know that behind there there's, there's a, a safe bit of still water. Ending up in the V. Oh no. I'm right in the middle of that V here. You'll be fine where you are. Okay. So again, as we go past on the right, you see there's a little wave there. Just the other side of it is a bit of practice calmer water. Yes, okay, I see, yeah. And yeah, my paddle just hit the bottom, so um yeah, definitely is shallow. Where well, I am, nice and deep. Okay, yeah, right, so far. So to our left, where the water's right now, that's quite a major hazard. So can you see the branches are under the water? Oh yeah. So if you got caught up in there, you won't be able to float under or over it, you'll get caught up in there. In it's it. It's a strainer. It's called a strainer? Strainer, yeah, because it strains everything through other than debris. So if you think like a oh, yeah. heat strainer or anything It would like catch that, everything, yeah. Same sort of thing. So big things, it will catch it. Little things like water, it can run through. So what would happen if you're on a board in that? You just kind of like be running yeah, to a bush. You'll get caught up in that. Yeah. So it'd be a case of get the board away from you. Yeah. And try and climb up as best you can. Onto the bank.
I hope we caught that on the recorder, but we just passed the most extraordinary number of Canada geese on the river, probably about 300 or so. Um, it was really wonderful, and the noises they made, along with the occasional swan and ducks, was quite the cacophony. Okay, so I just saw three ducks go past. I'd like to know what they are. Um, they have a little tufted crest on their head, sort of amber head, grey and black body, and little white cream eyes. Circles around their eyes. Going for a lovely wooded channel here. Trees on either side, and ducking occasionally. Just light branches, not, not um, lethal solid branches. Uh, there's another bridge in front of me which has lost its top, so we've got these dramatic pillars rising up out of the water with beautiful wooded slope behind and two swans gliding in the distance. It's really idyllic. This feels a bit like swallows and amazons. Okay, here we are at the end. Um, we have paddled from Luxor campsite to Tresset campsite, which was about 8.65 miles. <laughs> That's a very approximate guess. It's been beautiful. I think my particular highlight was the geese. Extraordinary gaggle of geese, numbering well, well into the hundreds. I'd say about 300 geese, making the most extraordinary cacophony. Or chorus of calls um, but all of it's been beautiful it's been a cloudy October day with a stiff wind at times which was quite hard to paddle into but the the colors have been extraordinary the autumn colors something about the atmosphere has been really magical <laughs> And there's some happy paddlers who you can probably hear in the background um, trying to get the perfect final finishing shot um, while tangled in a tree. That's the sound <laughs> of success. <laughs> so I'm here with Amy Jones, who is one of my fellow paddlers this weekend, and we've um, reached the end of our adventure. Um, Amy, how did you enjoy the stretch of the Y that we explored? Oh, it's been absolutely beautiful. I had really high, well, high expectations, but I, I was really excited for a lot of the wildlife that I was going to see, uh, particularly kingfishers and morning one, first thing in the morning at sunrise, I saw one. So that started the weekend off in the most amazing way. Um, but it's been stunning. I think considering how close I live to the Y Valley, it's not somewhere that I've ever really visited before. So to see it in all its autumnal glory has just been incredible. What was it that um, first appealed to you about paddleboarding or what is it that appeals to you about paddleboarding and when did you first take it up? So I actually started paddling about four years ago um, and it was a lot less popular then it was a lot harder to come by equipment and stuff I, I, I used it as a way to kind of escape it's a nice way to be on you're on the water it's quiet there's not usually many other people around and it just gives you a completely different outlook on the landscape around you I think you see things from the water that you don't see from the car or the when you're walking alongside of it so I started then and it kind of just grew from there really and now I've got my little girls involved she paddles with me um, I've paddled kind of up and down the country 
um, and it's a lot more popular now so I've got lots of friends that have got boards that I paddle with but I do tend to paddle by myself it's like a little moment of solitude. <laughs> what was your highlight of the trip? Oh it has to be the kingfishers, it has to be the kingfishers that's um, something that I've, uh, it's a bird that I've wanted to see for a really really long time um, it's one of my grandma's absolute favourite birds and we, she sadly, we were very close, she sadly passed away last year um, and it's coming up to a year next week that she passed away and so to see a kingfisher so close to that sort of poignant moment it just was amazing so yeah that's probably the best moment of the weekend for me. I'm sitting here with Ray Greaves who was our expert paddleboarding instructor for the weekend. Um, Ray you guided us brilliantly thank you down the Y over the course of two days. Um, can you tell me, first of all, what your experience of paddleboarding is? Uh, so paddleboarding for me is still fairly new. So I got into paddleboarding sort of just over after COVID, um, did some courses and then been guiding now for about two years, two and a half years. My main sort of paddle spot before that was whitewater kayaking. So transferring from kayaking to paddleboarding. Um, but I also do canoe guiding and, and instruction as well. And what was your verdict on this weekend's adventure? Well, I think you all did very well. It's all good. Um, everybody say dry. A little bit windy on the uh, second day today. Um, but yeah, everybody coped really well with it. So, no, well done to everyone. I'm here with Zara Rose Alizabi. Zara, can you tell me, what was your highlight of the weekend? Oh, my highlight was probably going past all of those geese and just listening to them and not uttering a word. Like, our entire group was silent and we were just able to be fully absorbed in that moment and just to listen. And even our paddle strokes became shorter, quicker and just, like, very spaced out just to be able to enjoy that and not disrupt the wildlife around us. Jenny, can you tell me what it is about paddleboarding that appeals to you? Well, it's a really tranquil way of exploring a river. Um, it's not too energetic, so you don't have to you don't have to work really hard at it. It's fairly gentle, especially if you're fortunate to have the the tide and the or the current and the wind with you. Um, but it's like a walking pace at about three miles an hour. That's pretty similar to walking, only it's a different type of pathway. Instead of walking on a trail, you're uh, navigating the river and reading that reading the currents and the eddies and the rocks and the trees and the wildlife that you can see is just fantastic it's as if we managed to uh, to get closer to wildlife before it uh, flew away it was mostly uh, wingborne wildlife before it threw, flew away from us what did you think about this particular adventure here along this stretch of the Y? how did it strike you uh, really good uh, uh, we covered quite a long distance over the two days and it's really nice to feel that you've covered quite a long stretch of a well-known river and I'd like to come back and do another stretch of it actually eventually do the whole thing Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews Guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. So that was the voice of Jenny Brown we heard at the end, paddling with Maria down the River Wye. And I'm glad to say Maria is here. Maria, lovely to see you in the studio with Hannah and Jack. Hello, chaps. Hello. 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 And Maria, there were lots of people. Could you could you remind the listeners who else we heard on the on the yes. pl- pladdle cast? <laughs> pladdle cast. Yes. We heard the instructor was Ray Greaves. We had Amy Jones, uh, Zara Rose Alizabi, and Jenny Brown, who you just mentioned. Brilliant. What a lovely adventure. So soothing. And um with geese and paddles and and lots of interesting insight into the poor old river Y. Yeah, the Y it does seem to take quite a battering sounds like and especially that time it been the end of an incredibly hot summer where they'd even had to pause fishing for a month because the fish had been struggling so much with the heat i think the river water had raised uh, had risen to 24 degrees so it was it was struggling a little bit but had had some rain recently and i was starting to see signs of recovery yeah amazing amazing well i love the idea of paddling down a river I uh, wondered if you guys have you, Hannah and Jack, you've been on I've the paddle board? I have a few times. You yeah. have? Okay, yeah. Where, did, where have you paddle, paddled? The sea. The sea. Wow, okay. Out <laughs> <laughs> to sea, that's brave. Uh, no, a few places. I've done it on the sea and I've I've been down a, a canal that I, I couldn't tell you which one. Ah, okay. Jack's, Jack's adventures in mysterious places. I'm quite tall though, so balance is a little bit tricky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the thing. Have you... um? Because you've been paddleboarding for some time, right? Uh, yeah, I've, over a few years, I've I've had a, a fair number of paddleboard adventures. I'm not particularly consistent with my paddleboarding, but I do. I do. Or love you just pedal, paddle the right side and not the left. Yeah, I'm not an every weekend paddler, but I I do like to get out. Um, I'm impressed with your sea paddleboarding because that is definitely the hardest. Dealing with the waves mm. and the wind—that's the toughest gig, I think. Did, did you fall in a lot at the beginning? No, absolutely not. <laughs> okay, okay. There's well, no such mean, thing mean, as falling yeah, off. Yeah. Do you mean when I very first, when I first started? Yeah, yeah not at the beginning. Yeah, of the I think yeah. it's pretty normal to fall in at some point when you're first starting. Yeah, that's my feeling. Is with all those sort of things, it looks really. I like being in a little canoe, and I've got a blow-up canoe, which I which I love paddling around. But it's pretty secure unless you completely muck up. But with a paddleboard, it feels like one little slip and you're in the drink. Well, in fairness, they are they are huge and they are incredibly inflated. So they do feel quite solid. But what happens often is that people get quite confident. Mm. And that's when you're falling because you might get distracted. You might turn to say something to someone else who's behind you. You just kind of take your eye off the ball for a second. That's when you tend to go in. It's generally that kind of sense that, yeah, I've absolutely got this. That's when hubris will bring you down. Really? <laughs> <laughs> and quite a nice way of sort of creeping up on wildlife by the sound of things. You seem to have spotted quite a few things. It's a beautiful way to creep up on wildlife. <laughs> Although that makes me sound as a stalker. It's just a very, I, I think because it's 
really not a particularly disruptive way to travel. Even swimming, you are splashing a lot. You know, you make quite a lot of noise. Paddling, provided you slow down your stroke, you are very smoothly traveling along the water. You can get into quite shallow areas, which I know you may not always approve of. Uh, because of the because of the disturbance to wildlife potentially or their habitat, you can get into areas that you might not otherwise travel along. But we were really lucky on this weekend. We saw some fantastic wildlife, and uh, yeah, I do recommend it. So I mean, it's very appealing, and I've never done it. Are they are these things expensive? I mean, you said they're, they're inflatable, yeah. Yeah, it it varies is the answer. It absolutely varies. Um, you can get quite kind of high end of the range boards where you might be looking at over a thousand pounds, but equally you can get sort of sixty pound boards from supermarkets. Oh, okay, the middle aisle things. Is that right? I was yeah. going to say the middle aisle. I mean, they're good, but I think if you you you're better off spending a little bit more and getting a proper one from a paddleboarding place rather than going for the uh, notorious middle aisle. Yeah, the cheapest. I think also the. Slight problem with it being that easily accessible is that people do tend to think of it more as a kind of a fun, like rubber ring type thing that you just you buy and you jump on the river and and off you go. And it's it's a more complicated activity than that. And there are obviously always risks around water. So actually, that that reminds me. I was in Anglesey last summer, and there'd been a sale on in the local supermarkets in those middle aisles. And I was chatting to an RNLI person, and they said. They had had so many call-outs, people on the sea, who'd gone out on those, totally unprepared, just bought one and a paddle, and then got into difficulties. And they were constantly towing them in or picking them up from the helicopter. And they said it was just a disaster. That It was almost, you've got to have some understanding and a bit of training, maybe. Yeah, it actually reminds me of, um, have you, I don't know if you've seen that program on iPlayer, which I really like, Saving Lives at Sea. I think that's what it's called. Anyway, it's uh, basically, it runs through incidents that the lifeboat service have to go <laughs> and deal with and one I remember watching was um, a man who had rather sweetly he thought he was being really good at paddleboarding because <laughs> he'd, he'd gone out so far uh, he's like I've really I am just nailing this I have mm. got this down to a fine art <laughs> but he hadn't taken into account the, like the wind direction or the current so when he, when he came to turn around he was like I am incredibly far away from land oh, really? and I have no hope of getting back there. Like he just, he wasn't going to, and it was quite cold. It wasn't, it wasn't a kind of, well, the, the sea is cold anyway as well. It's, the deeper you go, mm. the colder it is. I think these are the sorts of things that people don't take into account. They can sort of attribute their incredible distance and speeds to just uh, the, their, yeah. own, their own superhuman strength and, and get into quite a pickle. So yeah, it's definitely something that people need to be aware of. Okay. But much safer on the river. Generally much safer on a river. I, I don't want to be a real, um, what's it called, Debbie Downer about this, but, um, you know, you've got, you do have weirs. You, have yes, all, you can have all uh, kinds of like litter and overhanging branches. Deep currents, <laughs> yeah. pike. Yeah, and, but still it's really fun. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've sold it to me. Uh, it was interesting that some of the people were kind of keener on paddleboarding in land because they didn't like sort of swimming in the sea. What Zara Rose was saying, I think, was that she liked paddleboarding because because she didn't particularly like swimming in the sea and paddleboarding gave her access to the sea, given that she lived so close to the coast. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But generally she, despite living in Hastings, didn't tend to go into the water. But via paddleboarding, she found a way to really engage with with that natural environment. And she was saying that she found the river a lot easier because her experience has been on 
on the sea, like I was saying to Jack, you know, we were agreeing that's big waves, that's big waves, yeah, and it's just, scary it, currents. Yeah, yeah, you're a lot wobblier. I mm. mean, that yes, definitely in terms of rivers, you're asking if rivers and, and lakes are easier. Yes, because of the generally quite flat water and you don't have, you're much less likely to topple in. Um, I was paddleboarding in near Falmouth at Grebe Beach and I thought it looked quite, it was quite a sheltered cove and I thought it would be absolutely fine. But I hadn't taken into account that there was still quite a stiff wind somehow <laughs> getting in there. And I had to stay on my knee. Every time I stood up, I was basically just whop, <laughs> straight, yeah, wiped out into the water. Swimming or paddleboarding? Swimming every Swimming. time. You're yeah. a swimmer. Yeah. I actually thought it was really interesting that Zora Rose was saying that she didn't want to swim in the sea because I, I always feel more comfortable in the sea than in the river. I sort of feel like, I guess it's where I grew up and all that stuff, but I kind of feel like it's more of a known quantity. Like, I know that it's a bit dangerous, but like the water generally has less stuff in it on the <laughs> so seashore. So less human, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe less human stuff. Well, well yeah. Um, and also I was thinking about like a lot of the places, a lot of people don't swim in the sea because it's, it's perceived to be polluted. And I guess in some places it is, but that's something I've never experienced because the waters all around where I grew up, they're all like blue flag beaches, excellent water quality, even check today and they're either good or excellent. So um, everyone has a different experience, I guess, of living in this, on this island. Yeah, there can be lots of reeds and weeds and overhanging trees and rivers. Pikes. I've been to pike. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely massive pike. It's the biggest threat to... <laughs> um, I think I agree that I feel more comfortable swimming in the sea, possibly, mm. than in rivers. And yeah, I, I think that there's something about just the sheer volume of water. You're like, whatever's in there is going to be quite diluted. <laughs> <laughs> and there's salt, which is <laughs> quite healthy as well. Yeah. It does bring me, though, thinking of swimming to sightings and happenings, our regular slot of what we've been up to, because I've been swimming in the sea in Dorset, and it was, fant- it was brilliant. Muddiford, this place where you have to cycle to, can't drive there, and it's just beach huts and sandy beach and nothing else and I went down with a couple of friends and just swam for the day it was so nice and also normally I'm a kind of takes me ages to get into the water but well I don't know what it was I've driven in and I swam 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 lovely I can highly recommend it fantastic <laughs> Motherford indoors I am seethingly jealous. Are you? Okay, seethingly <laughs> yeah, jealous. Yeah, like, I'm f- absolutely furious with you. Really? Um, Why? Because a couple of weeks ago, I went to uh, Durdledore, and it was the most beautiful day, and the sea was crystal clear. Like, I, I don't think I've ever seen it before like that in my life, and we hadn't brought our swimmers. <laughs> And so I was like rolled up my my trousers and I was in the sea, like up to my thighs. I was like, it was like, I cannot speak. I was so annoyed that this happened. Oh, well, can I let you into a secret? Yeah. I didn't bring my swimmers either. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah, it it kind of added to it because I thought, oh, I can't go in now. I can't go in. Disappointing. And then. My friend's like, oh, you just got to go in. And my, yeah, don't my, let it my, stop friend, you. My, my friend Rod had also forgotten his, so we both went in in, in pants. We didn't go in skinny. Anyway, we'll move <laughs> swiftly on. But maybe that's a good opportunity to ask you what you've been up to in the last... Um, this week I was late for work because of a pair of nesting sparrow hawks. Crikey. Um, yeah, really, really brilliantly fantastic. There was a fantastic kerfuffle 
in the uh, the trees above me and uh, it was magpies getting really stressed out. I was like, what on earth is this? Because usually magpies are the pe- things that are stressing other things out. And yeah, there was a pair of lovely, very much loved up sparrowhawks flying back and forth in the trees towards each other, back and forth, having little chats, like just absolutely gorgeous. I think they must be nesting on the BRI, the hospital in Bristol. Uh, okay, this is on, on your way to work. Just yeah. saw it on that. Just wow, so nice. Hooks. Yeah, brilliant. Utterly magical. That possibly beats swimming in Dorset. I'm not sure. Jack, any adventures? Well, I've got a, I've got a nice story actually. On uh, on the weekend, just gone uh, on Sunday, I was uh, helping at uh, one of our local children's hospice. Uh, they had a sponsored bike ride. They do that's. I think they had a hundred and something people go from down in Cornwall through the free hospices and end up at a place called Charlton Farm. And I was on the car park duty. Oh, <laughs> but, do you have a tabard? I had a high vis on yes. and a walkie talkie. Yes. To get everyone parked in the field that were coming to congratulate oh. everyone coming in. And by the field was another sort of farmer's field full of cows. So there was a bunch of cows there. And I I think every, cows, I've always said cows get a bit of a bad rap. And these ones came up. We're having a little look what's going on here because obviously it's something a bit different. Yeah. There was a bit of rain so they all went running off under their tree because they didn't want to get too wet. Rain stopped. And then they noticed obviously a couple of times cyclists were coming past everyone was cheering and stuff like that. So they came back over and uh, I did get a picture of them but there was all of them all lined up against the fence heads over the fence waiting looking down the road waiting for the cyclists to come. <laughs> oh! Following them down watching, watching them go. <laughs> and then after a couple of cyclists had gone they noticed they were all going the same direction they were a bit like Oh, what's going on down there then? And then slowly made their way down. Then later in the day, went down to where they had like the event village, and they were all around there watching what was going <laughs> oh. on. <laughs> I know that everyone says they're quite inquisitive, but I think that's one of the first times I've seen them. Just really like they're all like, "Oh, what's going on? Let's have a look at this. There's something new." <laughs> it's a tour de France for them, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, absolutely. That's adorable. Good cow cycling story. Yes, nice, nice. Who knew that cows? Were enjoyed Must two do. wheels, brilliant. What was the ice cream van? I, I mm. might have tempted yeah. them. Uh, well, obviously, your Marie, your paddleboarding was last year. What have you? You have you done anything exciting out in the wild? Out in the wild, um, I recently went to Charmouth, which was uh, which I'm a really big fan of, actually. Also, I think, Dorset coast. Dorset yeah. coast, yeah. 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 Yes, this is a, a running theme. Um, and uh, we bought a megalodon, fossilised megalodon tooth. I admit we did not find it. I'm sorry. I had to, just pay, yeah. had to pay out. How big is a megalodon tooth? Because that's the giant well, ancient shark. Well, it all shark, depends how much money you're willing to spend. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There was one for £484, wow. which was gigantic. A tooth. And my son, my four-year-old, got a, a £9 megalodon tooth, mm. which was about this big. So Maria, Maria's fingers are about <laughs> sort of six centimetres apart. So that's, that's pretty pretty big tooth which he proceeded to break when he got home by running up and down the, the grid of the radiator oh, and I was like no. millions of years <laughs> you have it for two hours <laughs> <laughs> the things they, that shunks chomped through defeated by a radiator <laughs> good tale good tale uh, so you've got fragments of a megalodon tooth in your house exactly embedded in your radiator yeah that was my my wild Incredible. adventure recently we did do a bit of fossil hunting ourselves and it is in a great place to find you do always find ammonites I have, yeah, I have some at home fantastic. that I yeah. wanted to bring yeah. in. I did collect some when I was in Charmouth and I was going to bring them in as presents for you, but oh. I keep forgetting, so I will try and remember sometime. It's a lovely thing to do. It really mm. gets you to tune into the ground.
background around you know the details mm. and then you actually find these things that's mm. what's so joyful about yeah. it like you're almost guaranteed if you concentrate hard enough and you look hard enough little, you will come whirl, home with treasures little yeah. worlds of fossilized shells fantastic brilliant well listeners if you have a story that can beat any of ours please do send them in and we also love to hear any of your recordings of the countryside you can contact me and the team on my email address, editor at countryfile.com. And we, the very best email or message we receive each week, we'll get a book from the marvellous podcast library. Which brings me, actually, to the podcast postbag. Jack, have you, have you, are you hauled, have you hauled any in? Have we had any? It's piling up. <laughs> it's piling up. Piling Good. up. There's a couple here we definitely must get in this week. Maria, would you like to read this one? From... Sure. So this letter is from Will. I'm a big fan of the podcast and I'm always enamoured with the beautiful sounds other listeners send in. After a recent trip to the Lake District, I thought I'd share this recording I took in Johnny's Wood near Keswick. It's one of Britain's few remaining temperate rainforest, and a safe haven for red squirrels. The gentle crickling in the background is the sound of the ferns moving on the dry spring day. Hope this is usable. So that almost sounds like a cuckoo clock. It's so, so clear regular, and it? regular, yeah. Will, what a great capture. Um, cuckoo all the way through. You were, you were very modest about m- not mentioning that in your in your email. Also, green woodpeckers, just, just fantastic. Thank you. That did sound like a rainforest, full of kind of exotic sounds. Will, that was a very lovely thing that you've sent us, and it fully deserves a book from the podcast library, which we will send out to you. I will be in touch shortly. But for now, I think that's probably it from the podcast team and the River White. Maria, thank you so much for sharing your, your paddleboarding adventure with us. And Hannah and Jack for always being wonderful and <laughs> helping with the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you. And until next week when we'll be having another adventure in the countryside, it's goodbye.